let's talk about electricity. Now, you, if you ask yourself, um, you know, I, I, if you if you think about the fact that in this city you see so many EVs today, electric vehicles, and what if we all switch to electric vehicles? Well, there's different uh, views, but you know, one that I've heard is that you probably need two new sightsee dams, and that's the dam that we're building up in the northeast corner of our province, and I think the costs have now ballooned to $24 billion, that's with a B, uh, but that speaks to the need for electricity in this province. Add to the fact, population growth, we're going to add another million people to Metro Vancouver's population by 2050. Uh, add to that the growth of large-scale LNG plants, potentially. We uh, we heard of the announcement uh, just recently of the Cedar LNG plant moving forward. Now, that's a small plant, but it is going to be run the desire is to have it run on electric power to cut back on emissions. Think about the needs of our mining industry or even our forest industry. We also have um, uh, factories or at least warehouses in other parts of British Columbia, smaller communities, where they want to set up massive, massive warehouses just for Bitcoin mining as well. So you can see there's a tremendous need for our clean electricity. In fact, BC Hydro is part of all of that. It was uh, created in 1962 and it is a backbone uh, of our electric system here uh, in this province. and In fact, between 1960s and 1980s, BC Hydro completed six large hydroelectric generating projects. So, And we, because of those decisions, have been very fortunate. We have extra power than we actually need. We sell some of that power to Washington State, to California. But where does the system go from here? And what will we be needing to do? Uh, we've been very fortunate because of past decisions, but when you look at the LNG industry, and as I said, when you look at EVs, when you look at a growing population, how do you power not only these LNG plants, but also power the rest of this province as well? Well, joining me now is Richard Zussman, Global BC's legislative reporter, to talk a little about, about uh, BC Hydro and, of course, our future electric needs. Richard, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Jeff. Thanks for having me. So, you know, I, I've sort of laid out some of the challenges before us and the opportunities as well. Uh, in regards to the government and BC Hydro, uh, is BC Hydro, from what you're hearing, up to the task right now and, and ready and prepared to deal with some of the challenges that are there? Hydro is acutely aware of the challenges and they are grappling through those challenges now. But as you mentioned, we are quickly running out of this energy that we have accounted for. So we built the Site C Dam. It took uh, political willpower from John Horgan to continue along with that project. And we have already accounted for all of that future power. It's going to power about 1.3 million electric vehicles on the roadway. That won't cover off the number of cars that we're going to have on our roadway. So all of that power is accounted for. And then the other factors you mentioned is how do LNG facilities get powered? We know the Premier is going all in on electrification. This is the target here is to uh, clean our energy supply, but there's just uh, not enough future electricity there to do all of that. So Hydro is acutely aware. There are independent power producers that generate about 20% of the power in this province. They are working through this as well. But I think the reality is we need to start having a conversation about large-scale production, and the Premier hasn't been asked it yet. But I would be curious to hear his answer when he's asked about whether there needs to be another site C dam. It, it took a lot of political capital to get through that first one. I'm not sure the political capital exists just to get through another site C dam, but we have the, the ability to produce hydroelectric power in this province. 
do we have the will to build more dams? I, I'm not so sure. So it's going to be a struggle for hydro to meet the massive demands that we have. And just to confirm uh, for our audience, Site C originally, I think it was 6 to $8 billion. That was the budget. We're up to $24 billion for that project. So I don't know, I'm not, I don't know how you sell that, uh, something like that again, uh, because it took years and years for that to actually get to the point where we actually built it. Yeah, and the challenge is the environmental disruption that comes with it. And under the new standards we have now in the province, even getting it through an environmental assessment would be hugely challenging. Working with First Nations communities, uh, having that dialogue and conversation. Uh, I think uh, many people saw the Site C project as bypassing some of those important steps around consultation, and I can't imagine we'd get through it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, in regards to the LNG industry, uh, of course, yeah. the natural gases in the in the northeast uh, portion of our province, uh, and then, of course, the, the plants themselves will be uh, on our northwest uh, the Pacific Northwest of our province, uh, in the Kitimat area, roughly. Um, how do we get electricity to that portion of our mm-hmm. province? I mean, is is the will there to build the the uh, the the line? That, to my understanding, that has to come up all the way from Prince George to be built that way, but it's expensive. Yeah, this is one of those questions that Ellis Ross has been asking for a decade plus. You know, he's the MLA that represents the community, a BC Liberal. He was the highest the chief councillor. And there's an agreement signed between LNG Canada and BC Hydro to get that electricity through lines to Kitimats. But you described it. It's challenging. There are hurdles to clear to get that. So I spoke to Ellis Ross last week uh, about these LNG projects, and he's excited to see it. But he it was almost exasperated to talk about the fact that we still don't have that network in place with hydro to get it there. The will is there from hydro, just seemingly there are hurdles and challenges in the way just physically to get that uh, the kitimat is needed uh, to power these LNG facilities. We are speaking to Richard Zussman, Global BC's legislative reporter. We're focusing on BC Hydro, but it is the broader conversation. How do we power this province? What's the right energy to use moving forward? Everybody, of course, is probably talking, but if they already don't own, own an EV, want to own an EV in the future, add that, and a million new people will probably expected in, in uh, Vancouver by 2050. We've got LNG plants that want to electrify mining and forestry continues, of course. And we even have, you know, warehouses and the Bitcoin industry wanting to expand in this province. We actually have to, had to put a moratorium on that as well. So a huge energy demand moving forward. How do we power this province? And I know a lot of you out there <laughs> have opinions on this as well. Uh, give me a call on the open line, 604-280-9898. Richard Zussman is our guest. Let's go to Laura in Vancouver. Hi, Laura. Hi, hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. Sorry, go ahead. I said, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Go ahead. Wonderful. I just wanted to point out and ask, uh, there's a fantastic, oh, is this the background music? Sorry. Um, There's a fantastic incinerator in Burnaby. Um, As far as I know, it's the only one we have in the province. And I think I just looked it up because I was curious. It puts out enough energy for 16,000 homes a year, they say on their website. Wow. yeah, and I mean, it's definitely two birds, one stone. I'm sure they, you know, make use of a whole bunch of material. I've gone there for school projects and things, and it doesn't smell, it burns clean, it's phenomenal. And I really wish we had more like that. I'm curious to your guests if we've looked into that at all, if it's on the docket or interest at all to anyone looking at these problems moving forward. Laura, thanks for your call. Uh, right now, I mean, it's part of the energy transition is we don't know all the technologies that are there and more that are emerging along the way. The transition is going to take time. And I guess this is part of this as well. They are doing this in Burnaby. But to my understanding is what you said, the, the premier's focus at right now seems to be on electrification. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I think there's a diversity planned here as well. And I'm sorry about the background noise. I think it's a little bit better now. But, you know, this Burgundy project is interesting, uh, but it does not meet the demand that we were looking at. So hot water for 18,000 residents, about uh, power for 500,000 square feet of offices, reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, That's all good news around a project like this, but it is not the sort of scale the province needs for its electrification. And that's about making these decisions and prioritizing where we find the energy. And, you know, you mentioned there was a time where we were an energy seller. Uh, There will be conversations about whether we start buying energy from other places, especially south of the border. But everybody, everybody is hitting these uh, supply issues in terms of clean energy. There's just not enough at this point being produced. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's go to Jeff in Vancouver. Hi, Jeff. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I just happened to hear your radio uh, broadcast as I'm coming back from the airport. And I've been working for 21 years now in developing some historic dams in northwest BC that formerly served the mining industry. Hmm. Our, our largest dam is the Antioch Dam, which um, a ghost town that's long since been forgotten. It did have 3,000 people, and was this structure was the largest concrete dam in Canada until the mid-40s. And we have a project there that's fully permitted, all ready to go, shovel-ready, and we've been unable to even get a sniff at a contract with BC Hydro. Our partners are the Nishka First Nation, mm-hmm. who I've been working with steadfastly for 20 years. Um, oh, Jeff, I think we lost you there. Thank you for your call. I think we got the gist of, of, of your uh, comments there. I would think uh, post-Gordon Campbell, who was push- pushing the independent power uh, projects, uh, I- I'm going to assume uh, the NDP is not interested in going there. No, and this is not something we saw a lot of success with in the tail end of Campbell's administration. I don't expect that independent power projects is part of the long-term strategies. You know, we can pick away at the edges here, and I think ideas are important, you yeah. know, conversations around how we can produce our energy, but we're talking large scales, which, as you, you said it, nuclear, are we talking more dams? Are we talking, you know, new types of renewables that we're always trying to innovate with? But our timelines are coming fast. Like we're talking about needing this sort of energy by the late 2020s, early 2030s. That's less than a decade away. And producing this power, creating the infrastructure to do it, takes time and money. And we need to get to that now because, you know, as you and I have discussed, we are we are hitting a point where we're not going to have the type of energy we need to run our grid. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to Scott in Coquitlam. Hi, Scott. Hey, Jazz. Uh, I had to chuckle right before uh, this segment where uh, there's a big ad by oil and gas. Go figure. We've got to pay the bills, though. <laughs> Right, Scott. So, yeah, but you're right. Yeah, yeah, but yes, it's hey, do. look, it's an industry that can uh, that costs uh, when you buy a liter of, uh, of of gasoline, it's cheaper than a can of pop. That's how efficient it is at this point, and that's part of the challenge of this energy transition to get whatever new energy we're going to use, or types of energy and cleaner energy, to get it to the point where it can uh, compete with a dollar seventy five a liter gasoline. Okay, well, my point is, is mm-hmm. why are we looking more at solar? I just did a quick uh, quick Google mm-hmm. on solar panels. Uh, I watch these um, uh, off-the-grid shows all the time, and I think they're fantastic. How many solar panels could we buy for several billion dollars? Because the government doesn't have problems 
throwing billions of dollars at gigantic projects that take decades in environmental studies, when I could pick up a 35-watt, so, uh, 12-volt polysolar panel from Best Buy for $48.51, and for uh, eight more dollars, they'll deliver it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, solar panels, could we stick on the tops of our houses and take pressure off the grid? Yeah, I think that's a legitimate issue. I mean... Uh... I know there are many re- many residents now. Uh, they're using that technology. You see it on farms as well, uh, Richard. I mean, I remember Andrew Weaver in the legislature bringing up this issue and other technologies that we should be be looking at. But I think it goes back to your core issue, which is we need it now, and it needs to be consistent, and it needs to be reliable. And we flick on a switch, it better be there. I'm not saying solar yeah. doesn't do that, um, but I, I I don't I don't know how to cl- really answer that question. Is it just a climate issue? Or is it just a question more so for us? that it, it's not going to be consistent? So part of it is cost. So, you know, we could have subsidies, but it's, you know, about ten dollars to $20,000 to set up panels for a home. That's a high upfront cost. Uh, it becomes more complex when you start talking about uh, large housing developments, condominiums, apartment buildings. And I know Andrew Weaver, if he's listening, will be rolling his eyes at me. But the reality is, you know, have you looked outside in Vancouver and Victoria in October, November, December, <laughs> January, February? Yeah. We don't produce a whole lot of sunlight uh, in this province because of the cloud cover. And I know it's a small factor. And uh, Weaver would laugh at me and, and say we can still generate some solar during that period of time, but it's not our greatest asset. So individual solar panels can help fuel homes, but there's high cost to it, and it doesn't hit the sort of scale uh, that we're looking for as, as we start talking about full electrification of the grid. The reality is petroleum products will still be a part of our future for a long, long time. We are still going to rely on non-renewable resources, uh, but... Uh, it's about taking that next step as we try to hit those problems. Hey, the future's coming fast, and whether it's uh, <laughs> you know whether it's LNG, whether it's uh, solar, whether yeah. it's hydrogen, uh, whether it's other things, it's a fascinating conversation. We'll have you on again. I do want to talk about this issue. A lot of callers out there. Sorry, I couldn't get to all your calls. Please call our buzz line six zero four three three one two eight nine nine. Richard, thank you. My pleasure.